I always say like men can get away with a little more alcohol than women, but it's the, it's the standard Aussie Friday night, to be honest. It's the binge drinking that is the problem. So having, I would say less than five stranded drinks a week and as close to zero as possible. Absolutely. For women, ideally we want to keep it as close to zero as possible because alcohol can affect LH, FSH hormones. And we just don't know at what stage of our egg development where we're introducing that alcohol. But I also say again, mindset, mental health comes into play. If you're going to a wedding and you want a glass of champagne, or if it's your birthday and you want to share a glass of wine, then, you know, do that. I don't see that as a major issue. You may hear colleagues say otherwise, but as close to zero as we can, being mindful about mental health. So alcohol, yes. The other things, I guess, diet-wise specifically, go for color. Have you got purple, green, reds, oranges, yellows? We want vibrant color. They provide phytonutrients, antioxidants, um, well above and beyond just their carbohydrate, you know, and fat and protein content. They provide these extra antioxidants and phytonutrients, which are really excellent as we age. And particularly that blue-purple color, 90% of us aren't eating enough blue-purple. Hi, I'm Talia, and welcome to the Rebel Love Podcast, where each week I'll bring you a new episode exploring love, sex, and relationships. Join me as together we question, explore, and strive to understand. Welcome back to another episode of the Rebel Love Podcast. My guest today is Tasha Jennings. Tasha helps couples improve their fertility well-being to create healthy pregnancies and healthy babies through her Your Fertility Pantry online program and her private online consultations. Tasha is a naturopath and nutritionist of over 20 years and the director of Zycia, which provides prenatal supplements. She's also the author of The Fertility Diet and The Vitamins Guide, which have sold thousands of copies across Australia the UK, the US and Canada. Tasha lives in my hometown of Melbourne, Australia, but also loves to travel and work with couples and other fertility specialists all over the world. Thanks so much for being here today, Tasha. I'm super excited to speak with you. Ah, thank you for having me. Looking forward to getting into this. Yes, I am very excited. I wasn't well last week, so we had to reschedule, but here we are and I'm ready to find out how women over 35 or probably even just 30 can boost their fertility. Absolutely. Get into it. <laughs> so before we get started, I like to ask all my guests kind of uh, how they got to be working in the area that they're working in now. And more often than not, there's some story that brings them to where they are. Um, are you willing to share your story? Yeah, certainly is. And my story probably very unnaturopathically started on a winery tour. Is really the moment, you know, how you have the A moment and it was on a winery tour in between wineries, probably after too many samples. And um, I guess I'll, 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 get, I'll preface that story a little bit because that's probably a, a weird place to start. Um, but that was the moment. But we'd been trying sort of for six months or more and I was a fit, healthy naturopath, married to a fit, healthy doctor. You know, we'd got all this information that, you know, when you're younger, that how easy it is to fall pregnant, how careful you must be. So I had a regular cycle, kind of assumed getting pregnant would be easy. So yeah, six months into our journey when it wasn't happening, um, you know, probably about eight months by then, I was really starting to think, okay, what's going on? And why I bring the winery tour into it is because I remember vividly being in the Adelaide Hills and we were going on this tour and I thought, oh, I won't drink anything. I'm just going to have water. I'm going to be really good because I might be pregnant. And I got my period that morning. If anyone else is trying and can resonate with 
when that period arrives and you just feel gutted and frustrated and angry and all those things. And then someone was handing me wine. So yeah, I know that's not the right thing to do. Absolutely. As a naturopath, I know even more so that's not the right thing to do, but it was, I guess, as I said, driving between wineries and I'd, I'd started researching as, you know, as a naturopath, I started researching, okay, what can I do to help me conceive? And I was looking up all the nutrients and my husband used to travel a lot. So I was seeing prenatals overseas, which provided choline and activated folate and all these things that weren't available in Australia. And I really started reaching out to researchers and finding out more about what I could do because my background was in product development, creating a vitamin range for a large pharmaceutical company. So I was traveling between wineries, staring out the window, really just feeling a bit crappy, really. And as anyone else who's trying to conceive knows, you don't tell everyone why you're feeling crappy because you just don't talk about it. And yeah, other friends sitting opposite me sort of, I can't remember how the conversation started, but I blurted out that I'm going to create a prenatal supplement because what we have here is not good enough. And I just started launching into what I, I hadn't even articulated to myself that this is what I wanted to do really, but the plan all just landed in my head in that moment. And they were doctors who were in the, on the tour with us. And of course, they just threw it back at me. No, you that what a crazy idea. You can't go up against big pharma. That's ridiculous. And it's weird, but the feedback just washed over me. I was like, no, nah. I ended up coming back, researching what I could do. I said I had a background in product development. I knew the product development space. So I wanted to look at the key nutrients that I needed. I wanted it to be creating life. I wanted it to be about life, which is what I wanted to create. So I jumped into Google and searched all these names for life and came up with Zycia, uh, which means life. And that's how I created my company, Zycia Natal Nutrients and my prenatal supplement, which contained everything that I wanted to. And then from there, I was still contacting researchers and speaking with researchers from Italy to New York to Adelaide. And was really heartened by they were getting back to me, though the feedback they were giving me. And that's how my Conceive Baby podcast then started because I'm like, I need to share this research. This just can't be in medical journals. This needs to be out there in the public. So I started the Conceive Baby podcast. I started the Conceive Baby website where these researchers helped write articles and provide information. I was just really wanted to not only help myself, but help other people because mm -hmm. I thought, hey, I have access to all this information and yet other people don't. So fortunately, using the existing expanding knowledge that I had, we soon conceived um, our gorgeous son and not long after our beautiful daughter. But that journey really instilled me with such a passion to really pay it forward and help other people that were in the same situation. And then from there, a lot of people then wanted to see me as a naturopath and work with me personally. And I had young kids, so I didn't do that for quite some time. Yeah, I've probably been seeing patients directly now for about uh, six years and work all over Zoom. And so I see patients from, you know, all over the world and helping them create their babies and seeing that personal, um, so getting the baby photos, getting the emails, getting the excited messages just is the best feeling. And now I also run a group program called Your Fertile Pantry, which is probably one of my most popular programs that um, people come through that I go through what to do over six weeks to help you create healthy eggs, healthy sperm and healthy pregnancy. Yeah. So that's my journey in a nutshell. <laughs> that's so exciting. I know that um, 
conceiving children brings a lot of grief to a lot of families mm. and, and it's just so many heartbreaking stories and so it's so lovely that you provided this information in this podcast in the way that you have so that people can access it so easily um, yeah. I'm, so I'm really excited to now hear <laughs> how common it is and a few questions about um, how common it it is to overcome fertility issues because can we do a case study do you feel comfortable yeah yeah sure all right so maybe i'll let you create the 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 fake avatar and we can go okay what's the most common kind of story you see couples coming to you with like you know they've been trying for x amount of years or yeah look i do get those most of them have been trying for a good look between two and seven years for most um most would be over 35 I do see some younger couples I do see some um over 40 as well um even over 44 I've got a pregnancy at 44 at the moment which is awesome um but yeah probably over 35 and trying for between you know two and seven years would be my main um avatar and I get a lot of referrals from IVF clinics, uh, largely because IVF is an amazing technology, gets egg and sperm together, creates pregnancies that otherwise may not have been possible if there's blocked tubes and things like that. But if you don't have healthy eggs and you don't have healthy sperm, there is nothing IVF can do to improve that. So I get a lot of poor egg quality and poor sperm quality. And also unexplained infertility. Okay, we don't know what's going on, but they've had seven failed cycles. And I guess I dig a lot deeper. Like, let's look into what's going on for both of you in my personal consultations. I'll spend over an hour with the couple, you know, going way back to even their mother's pregnancy. And before that, just to sort of learn the life their eggs have lived to find out what's going on for them. That's interesting. We were just talking about um, <laughs> taking substances when you're young. We just had this conversation mm. about youth today. Is kind of some choices in your um, your early 20s and maybe even late 20s, like taking substances and drinking a lot, is that going to affect your quality down the line? Potentially. And that's where I really want the education to start younger about our fertility. I know my fertility awareness or my, you know, sex education was all about not getting pregnant. Like that's all it was. There was nothing about cycles and how to actually get pregnant. And the fact is there's only a 24 hour window that you have a viable egg every month. Yeah. I mean, not that that other message is not valid. Absolutely. We, we want to, you know, portray the message that safe sex is really important and not getting pregnant when you don't want to is really important as well. But we also need to be educated that, okay, we do have a fertile window too. We are most fertile in our early twenties, yet we're not having babies in our early twenties. That's, you know, most people I know aren't having babies in their mm. early twenties. So if we are looking to extend and prolong our fertility, then we need to, yeah, look at what's happening because there is a 90-day development cycle for an egg and a sperm, by the way, but it develops from a small follicle into a mature egg, which is ready for release at ovulation. And that takes 90 days. So it's during those 90 days when the egg is uh, most vulnerable to ac external influences. And that's why I like to work with couples ideally over that 90-day window because you know, the theory now is it's not so much that we have older eggs, that we have this store of old eggs and their duds. It's the fact that those follicles or those tiny primordial follicles, which they start as, they're developing over those 90 days in an older body, which is, you know, exposed to, it's not maybe got as much energy. There may be need for more antioxidants because it takes a ton of energy to create a mature 
follicle and egg ready for release at ovulation. And I think most people think that if I'm ovulating, I'm releasing an egg, there's a chance of pregnancy. In actual fact, even in our 20s, about 25% of the eggs that we release are not viable. They're not capable of creating a baby. So the fact that we may not be getting pregnant straight away is not necessarily an issue. In actual fact, quite a not a lot needs to align to create a pregnancy. And as we get older, 40, 50, you know, sometimes 90% of those eggs are not viable eggs because as I said, the egg cell needs a ton of energy. There is more mitochondria, think back to, you know, year 10 biology in the egg cell than any other cell in the body. Because to get chromosomes to line up correctly and create that healthy DNA takes a lot of energy. And that's where we get a lot of chromosomal abnormalities. They're not lining up correctly and they're chromosomally abnormal. They may even go on to fertilize, but they're not going to create a baby. What we want is to create chromosomally normal eggs and that takes a ton of energy. So we want to be using diet, supplements, healthy lifestyle to make that energy available to reproduction. If we're taking substances potentially that you know shouldn't be in our body, that's mm-hmm. going to drain our energy and drain our body's resources that are diverted from creating healthy egg and sperm. So let's talk about what health looks like, because I know that a lot of people have different ideas about this. So when you say like healthy and supplements, where does the line begin with diet and say exercise and mindset? Is that, does that, is that going to play a part of it as well? It all plays a part. Mindset absolutely plays a part. Diet and lifestyle also play a part. And I guess how healthy you need to be really depends on your fertility as well. Because we've all seen it, you know, you've got your neighbor next door that has six kids and seems to drink and smoke and, and, you know, they they keep getting pregnant and yet I feel like I'm doing everything right and nothing's happening. Always said to my patients, don't compare yourself. This is your road and your journey and your biology and we're all very different. And absolutely, I get it from a personal perspective too. Totally frustrating, not underestimating that. But this is your journey. Your DNA is different. What do we need to do for you to optimize that? So I always recommend and I go through this in my Your Fertile Pantry program week one I'm like I hear the bloods you need to get done let's see where you are and I always recommend if anyone is thinking about their fertility perhaps even single in their 30s and thinking oh maybe I should you know check what's happening you know how is my fertility going we can't just sort of have a look inside and see what's happening but get your AMH tested so anti-malarian hormone which is a marker of your egg reserve. Now it's not the be all and end all by any means, but it's a hormone that's released by our developing follicles. So, so they primordial follicles. So it, it, the number gives us an indication of your egg reserve. It doesn't mean okay, if your level is five, you've only got five legs, eggs left. It just indicates your overall reserve. I'll caveat that though, by if you are on the pill, it'll come up a lot lower. So best not to be on any contraceptive when you do test that. So that's a good place to start. And if your comes up reasonably high, if you know you're 15 plus, okay, this is looking okay. If it's, you know, around the four, three, which is probably warm where I work with people at that level, then we may need to give you more support. We may need to look at extra supplements to fuel that energy. And we may need to also look at environment as well and mindset, stress, sleep. Mm. So many factors, everything is basically, we want to improve 
I want to create the best version of you, basically. <laughs> the best version of you will create the best DNA to pass on to your future child because I'm also not just about getting people pregnant. That's not my aim. And people think, okay, well, isn't that your job? My job is to get you a healthy, viable, thriving baby. So we want healthy eggs, healthy sperm, and also to look at the male side of things as well is really important because often I see a lot of couples, oh, he's been checked. He's all normal. Now, first of all, sperm will be ticked off as normal if you have more than 4% that are normal. So 96% of your sperm can be duds and you'll say, yay, oh, good, you're normal. <laughs> um, so that's a lot. And that is a lot. They don't, why don't they tell you that? That's kind of and that's a little the strange. Thing. They don't give you your results generally. They just go, it's all normal. You're Everything fine. Looks, yeah. yeah. And so I like to look at all of the blood tests, to be honest. I liked it. My, my definition of fine is very different from the average reference ranges. Mm. A lot of my unexplained infertility will come back as, you know, everything's at the lower end or there's quite a few things at the high end when they shouldn't be. Yes, you're within range, but we want to be optimal, especially right. when we're talking over 35. We need to get things even better because we're trying to conceive after we're at our optimal fertility. And yeah, going back to the male thing, I just love this little story. I always say that as women, we are biologically programmed to change our men, to get them, to make fix them up a bit, <laughs> make them a bit better. <laughs> and we do that at a biological level. So an egg can... A swimmer can come along a sperm and there can be some perhaps issues with that. And the egg can go, mm, okay, I'll fix that. And I'll go on to create a pregnancy. But again, coming back to that energy, an older egg potentially, that's perhaps not as good quality. That swimmer comes along, perhaps, you know, good analogy to us as we get older, we can't be bothered fixing that. It's just yeah. too much yeah. hassle. And we're not going to create a pregnancy out of that. <laughs> so We just don't have the energy. We just don't have the energy. We just can't be bothered fixing things up. It needs to be perfect. So I always say to husbands, no pressure, but we want Olympic athletes here. We yeah. want super swimmers so that that egg has absolutely nothing to do. Right, right. Okay. And what do we, how do we create super swimmers? Is that also diet and exercise? and Pretty mindset? much the same thing. So some of the supplements and that may be slightly different for both sides, but again, comes back to, I've had men coming to me and she's doing everything right and he's smoking. Like, I'm right. sorry, but you know, I guess how much does it really impact? And like a lot, <laughs> yeah, right. a lot. The good news with sperm though, is unlike eggs that we have our entire life. And that's why for women in my consultations go back to way back, even to their mother's pregnancy, because that's when their eggs developed. And so we need to know what happened to them along the way. Men are creating a whole new batch of sperm every 90 days. So if you stop smoking, you can get good swimmers in a few months, they will be oh, far better. And we can see a big turnaround in sperm health, which is great. We also want them flood some vitamin C in their antioxidants because their coenzyme Q10 is um, one of the foundational nutrients that most people over 30, if they're wanting to conceive, should be having because it's part of, you know, go back to year 10 chemistry now, the old-fashioned Krebs, Krebs cycle. You know, if we think back to that Krebs cycle energy, coenzyme Q10 is part of that. So we want to help to fuel that energy and we naturally produce tons of coenzyme Q10 when we're young. As we get a bit older, that declines. So we really want to ramp that up so we can get that energy and it's an antioxidant in itself as well. Okay, so let's say um, somebody comes into your program and they follow all these instructions. They can have a typical pregnancy like someone in their 20s. Absolutely. 
I've had, I've just actually been creating a, um, I'm doing a baby wall, just putting, getting all the um, photos of one of the babies that I've, I've helped bring into the world together. It's just been so wonderful to see all these beautiful, healthy babies. And absolutely, I've just um, hung up for a patient yesterday who's, who was actually so nervous going into this, so nervous going into the birth. And she's 41 actually. And she had a beautiful birth. She's breastfeeding really well. She was sailed through it, Bob's thriving. So absolutely, you get the environment right and age is a factor absolutely but it is one factor as I always say to my patients I've seen healthier 40 year olds than 26 year olds in regards to their fertility well-being so yes you can make a massive impact we can't change age so I don't focus on it it's a number we can't change there are loads of other factors that we can change so let's focus on that I love that I I think I so many stories I've heard of, well, I've heard mostly from the women just stressing out. So they're so worried about it. And every month mm. I had a friend years ago come to me and she's like, we've been trying for six months and we can't get pregnant. And she's just freaking out. And I, I was like, yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, I guess that that is really stressful. Well, yeah. Coming to see someone is so helpful. And I think the hard part is IVF is seen as the next step. And look, there's some amazing specialists that I work with that we we work quite closely together and they'll often refer and I'll refer across, which is great. But there's others who have got on the IVF train. I had, well, one one couple say to me, I I wish I had found you seven years ago because I don't think we even needed IVF. And I've actually had one couple. She came to me after seven years of trying. They'd have failed IVF cycles. I just started working with her and she was having a transfer that failed. And she said, I need a total break. I said, look, can you just give me some time? Because she said, I can't fall pregnant naturally. And I'm like, I said, I don't, I can't see anything in your results that telling me me that. I know you've got your history, Mm -hmm. but let's just work with your cycle, work with your window, take some time out, de-stress. So we work with a diet, we work with some supplements, we nailed her window, we got her cycle ready. We were prepping to go to obviously IVF because that's what she'd been through. She was pregnant and she was 41. That's amazing. She so, went over the moon. Because <laughs> she came in telling me I can't, I'm, you know, I, I need IVF. And I think sometimes there is that perception if I have been trying for so long, then I need IVF. Right. So try to get someone yeah, like myself or someone um, who can work with your cycles. Let's look at your cycle. Let's look at the nutritionals. You know, what's your folate? What's your B12? What's your vitamin D? Like what's your iron status? All those things are going to influence. I had a patient recently, we've just done her heavy metals and it came up massively high mercury. So I'm like, that's going to be throwing out your estrogen. And that's what's an issue for her. So what's causing it? And that's what I was want. What I want to know is the why. And I think people jump into IVF without understanding, okay, why are we not getting pregnant? Because it's not an IVF deficiency that you're not falling pregnant. It, there is something going on. So let's have a look at both of you on both sides. And with, you know, IVF is an amazing technology as I work with some fabulous specialists and more than happy to support people through that process. But when you're spending that amount of money, that amount of time, and emotional, not just financial, but emotionally draining, mm-hmm. then you really want to give it the best shot possible. And so whenever I'm sending someone into IVF, I'm going to go, okay, we've got the best chance possible. We've got all your levels looking really good. And hence this 44-year-old, which I'm so pleased for. She just passed nine weeks now, which is awesome. But her fertility mm-hmm. specialists were even saying this is pretty much like no chance. Like, I'm sorry, but you know, we're doing this for you, but you've got to be realistic. And 
wow. they were blown away that this was her own eggs and yeah with she would have just been so stoked it is yeah so yeah. i'm going fingers and toes crossed for that one but that's great uh, okay so let's talk about like let's get specific here with with the changes that we can make so yep. obviously we want to be aware of what our levels are we want to be kind of aware of our lifestyle obviously people are coming in a little bit stressed out if they've been trying sounds like smoking's completely off the table <laughs> sorry yeah the smokers sorry makes, there is no alternative stop <laughs> makes sense yeah yeah <laughs> what about drinking and what about certain types of foods yep absolutely so alcohol I always say that men can get away with a little more alcohol than women, but it's the look, it's the standard Aussie Friday night, to be honest. It's the binge drinking that is the problem. So having, I would say, less than five-stranded drinks a week and as close to zero as possible, absolutely. For women, ideally we want to keep it as close to zero as possible because it if alcohol can affect um, LH, FSH hormones and we just don't know at what stage of our egg development where we're introducing that alcohol. But I also say again, mindset, mental health comes into play. If you're going to a wedding and you want a glass of champagne, or if it's your birthday and you want to share a glass of wine, then, you know, do that. I don't see that as a, as a major issue. You may hear colleagues say otherwise, but as close to zero as we can, being mindful about mental health and your own, you know, ability to cope in the world. I know when I was trying to conceive, I hated everyone. Oh, are you pregnant? Are you pregnant? No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so you, you almost pretend to drink just because. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So alcohol, yes. The other things, I guess, diet-wise specifically, a few key things that I say all my patients, and I talk a lot about this and give you a lot of recipes and things in my Your Fertile Pantry program, <laughs> but go for colour. So I, I give, you know, my fertility, uh, Your Fertile Pantry program, people are, you know, pretty much a kid's checklist. Have you got purple, green, you know, reds, oranges, yellows. We want vibrant color. They provide phytonutrients, antioxidants, um, well above and beyond just their carbohydrate, you know, and fat and protein content. They provide these extra antioxidants and phytonutrients, which are really excellent as we age. And particularly that blue purple color, 90% of us aren't eating enough blue purple. Like and cabbage? I sorry. Yeah, blue ca- yeah, purple cabbage. Yeah, purple carrots, blueberries. And I saw a new idea article one time. I don't know how truthful it is. Obviously, new idea. Um, but the Mariah <laughs> Carey has a purple day once a month. She has this purple day where she'll just eat purple. Don't know if it's true, but it makes sense. Yeah, right. Okay. Is once a month enough to just eat all the purple things? Ah, <laughs> uh, and I don't like to eat just purple. I, I'm big on variety. Right. And also within that, don't just like okay, I pick carrots. I'm going to eat carrots every day. No, go for pumpkin, go for carrots, go for oranges, like get a variety of those phytonutrients if you can. Mm -hmm. They're great for anti-aging, particularly the reds in lycopene are great for sperm health. That's why I guess the Mediterranean style diet um, Mm -hmm. is really good in that way. Because also lycopene is one of the few nutrients that actually is enhanced by cooking. So if you think those beautiful, lovely, rich pasta sauces and um, you know, tomato paste, they're actually richer than a fresh tomato um, would be in that lycopene. So color is great. The other thing is good quality protein. So looking, making sure that we aren't getting enough protein um, and looking at vegetable sources as well or vegetarian sources. So edamame, quinoas, legumes, all those things as well. Because protein is a building block of our DNA and getting good quality protein, not in the form of protein bars and things like that and packaged mm. foods. We want to be really having everything as fresh, as seasonal, as close to the tree or the ground or where it came from as possible, because these days that's 
harder to do because things are frozen thawed I saw the journey of a kiwi fruit you know it's a year before it hits the supermarket shelves sometimes because they're picked under ripe and then they're frozen and then they're you know and then they're sort of shined up to to, to hit the store same with apples so oh, wow that's getting, really off-putting isn't it, it is. yeah so the nutritional value isn't there and especially I'm generalizing, but things with a barcode, like try yeah. to not, not go with things with a barcode. I always said, often say to people, avoid the health food aisle, you know, <laughs> and, and a patient went down the other day. She goes, oh my gosh, you are so right. Cause yeah. yes, it may be gluten-free, but there's a ton of processed sugar in there or there's yeah. just get normal, real food. <laughs> and yeah, if you want you- something sweet, have a date. <laughs> Your food should look like food. Yeah. 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 So basically if it comes in a packet, try to avoid it as much yeah, as possible. I'm generalizing, but yes, absolutely. Just get regular healthy food. It doesn't need to be rocket science. Those things and those small changes can make a massive difference. Mm, yeah it certainly does and when you put a bit more love into it I went through a pasta making phase where I'd make my own pasta it was so nice and (laughs) you could really feel the difference right it was also the love the the energy that you're putting into your cooking absolutely yeah Yeah. I remember I went to eat at Hare Krishna's once and they um the guy said oh just one moment we're just praying over the food before we serve it and I was like that's so nice like the energy that whether you believe in prayer or not the energy that they're imparting on this food was just so lovely. And I was like, oh, wow, somebody just prayed over the food I'm eating. I just think that's it was so beautiful because it was an energy so cool. exchange, you know. And the energy makes a real importance too. And I often I talk about that in my program as well about how we eat, not just what we're eating because mm. we don't eat properly these days. Yeah. And I'm a culprit of myself too. You're checking emails, you know, you're scraping the bottom of the bowl before you even realize, oh, actually I've finished because I was, wasn't even concentrating on what I was eating. So it might right. be nice and healthy, but you're going to feel bloated. Your pups are going to get indigestion. You're not going to be absorbing those great nutrients because your body doesn't even know that you had to eat. You've just thrown food at it. You just you're probably it in your face. <laughs> a couple of chews and you swallow. Yeah. We should be, you know, I love the idea of, you know, blessing the food and that sort of thing. That's what we should be doing. We should be sitting down looking at our food, smelling the food, kind of sending our body those cues that we're about to eat. We should be getting that nice gurgling of the digestive juices all ready to receive the food. We should be chewing it till it's baby food consistency. That's why we've got all those lovely enzymes in our saliva to help us break that down and to digest and process and absorb all the lovely food you're about to eat and actually focus on what you're eating. It also increases your satiety as well because we don't have satiety receptors in our stomach. It needs to reach our brain. That's why we've all done it before. You go to a smorgasbord and you eat way too much and you feel all right at the time. <laughs> but then half an hour later when you get home, you're just feeling really full and bloated because your yeah. you know, brain has finally caught up to the fact that you've eaten. So in regards to maintaining a healthy weight as well, this makes really sense that you are eating properly, not just eating on the run and your body's not recognizing it and you're bloated all the time and you're feeling uncomfortable and you're not even getting your nutrient absorbed. That's such a good point. Actually, that's something that I definitely want to touch on. How much does weight contribute to our ability to conceive uh, for, for both men and women? It can contribute for both men and women. I think there's a focus on women in regards to this and we forget about men. And yes, men are included in this. If men are overweight, it will affect their chances. Same with women. And I always look at weight as in, okay, um, what is, again, why? (laughs) What is driving the weight? If you have insulin resistance, if you have a lot of sugar cravings, your blood sugar's all over the place, and I'll go through this with patients, then that's going to be really tough for you to lose weight. And your specialist might go away and say, hey, you need to lose 10 kilos. 
But that's a really tough ask when your body is craving out for sugar. So I use supplements to help to support AU nutritionals because if you're lacking in nutrients, your body's going to keep craving food, isn't it, to try and get them. Right. <laughs> and so we want to get a baseline of all your nutrients, make sure that's all balanced. We want to use other supplements to help to support that blood sugar so that you're not getting those three o'clock cravings that, you know, really, I always say, look, they don't stop t- chocolate tasting good caveat you know that still will happen but I've had patients say oh my gosh I don't feel like eating sweet things anymore I don't have that craving after dinner I don't have that 3 p.m slump that makes me rush for the biscuit makes a massive difference so teaching people actually you know learning their metabolism giving Mm. them the support they need and then giving them a framework which again I'll give them recipes and menu plans in my in my program to make it a lot easier to do with weight and getting the right nutrients as well definitely through our diet but I do find supplements are a great support and obviously I have my my own prenatal that I created all those years ago in my epiphany on my winery tour but taking the right supplement again it's about getting it absorbed into your bloodstream so it's all well and good having a tablet that contains A to Z of all your nutrients. It's written on the label, so it must be in there. And sure, it's in there. But again, my, my background in product development, there are a ton of different magnesiums. There are a ton of different folates. There's a ton of different irons. Some are actually really cheap for the companies to get hold of, which is great. So I can just chuck that in there and write it on the label. Yeah. It's all well and good, that vitamin being in the tablet. It needs to get metabolized and absorbed and utilized where it needs to be. And that's why if your tablet is making you constipated or nauseous, then throw it out because it must be just sitting in your gut. If it's actually being metabolized and absorbed, it can't be doing those things because it's not there anymore. It's being utilized by the body to do all the amazing things that it needs to do. And your levels are really good as well. So get the right supplement the right form of the nutrients to be absorbed well into your bloodstream and also see the supplements as your insurance policy. So I have a lot of people come to me taking a ton of supplements. Actually, they've got bucket loads. They go through them with me. I'm like, okay, it's like, instead of the healthy diet, like this is all the stuff I take because it right. makes me feel like I'm doing something, <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. oh yeah, no, no, we just have busy lives. So we have to, we just constantly take, take away. Constantly, yeah. yeah. That is not a, replacement for a healthy diet you can't have one they're the icing on the cake i see them we need to get the foundations right we need to get that really good quality protein we need to get that good quality soluble fiber to help balance the hormones we need to get the antioxidants then we can add some icing on the cake which you know obviously needed particularly in my 40 plus patients we really need to ramp up um, those icing on the cake nutrients but we need to get the foundations right as well Makes a lot of sense. Mm. What about exercise? Yeah, exercise is right up there as well. And that is something that, especially in COVID, I have noticed that it was like, oh, I used to go to the gym or I used to play netball and now I just don't. And incorporating some sort of exercise is so important, but don't underestimate the incidental exercise. Some of my recommendations are do 10 squats before you brush your teeth. Right. It's don't go and say, oh, I'm going to get right into this. I'm going to do an hour every day because you won't. <laughs> you'll be yeah, enthusiastic yeah. for the next week and then you won't want to come back and see me because you haven't done it. Yeah. So just find something that you can do. And I, I like to link it in with another habit you're already doing. So I'd say brush your teeth because most of us brush our teeth every night. Right. So if you can just do <laughs> 10 squats before you brush your teeth, that's going to add up every week. And then, okay, maybe we'll do two, 10 tricep dips when you get up in the morning. So it doesn't need to be massive. It just needs to be consistent because that helps with metabolism. That's helped with circulation. 
that's going to help, you know, get us a healthy weight. It's again, it's about that environment, less stress, getting that healthy environment, but don't feel the pressure to go out and do, yeah, uh, one hour workout a day that'll last a week and you'll fall off the wagon. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? It's like anything in life, it's consistency. Yeah. I, I, I said to my friend a while ago, like, if I had to say, if I was like an alien and came down and spoke to a human and they're like, what's the key? <laughs> what's the key to everything? I'm like, consistency with anything, right? Money, yep. relationships, exercise. Yeah. And that's what we also struggle with so much, I think. And know? I think that's what I see a lot of in my practice too. And I probably sort of fall into that category myself as well, is I see a lot of type A personalities. And they're so driven, they're successful and they've got successful by striving harder and pushing harder. And that's, you know, that's the way that they're often impatient. And that's the hard part. Fertility is kind of the opposite. And so it's like telling them that everything that they've been doing up until now to make them successful is we need to have shift that. And that's a big mental shift mm. because they're so willing. They rock up to consultations ready to, I'm going to do this. Absolutely. You say go organic. I'll go totally organic. I'll do this. My, actually take a deep breath. I'm going to talk <laughs> about your evening ritual and your right. fertility ritual that I often get people to do before bed because sleep is a major thing. You know, mm. melatonin is a massive antioxidant. Yes. A lot of specialists I work with prescribe melatonin. That. But let's, okay, you're not producing any because you're working. I call it recovery sleep is what people get. They crash and burn, they recover, and then they do it all over again. <laughs> yeah, put <laughs> hand up there. Yeah, yeah that's totally. <laughs> we, and when we want to talk about reproduction, when do we get to focus on egg health and sperm health? Right. We don't during the day. We're yeah. too busy answering emails, running about. So overnight is a really good time where our body can focus on rejuvenation. So that's what I want to cultivate, rejuvenating sleep, not recovery sleep. So I get my patients to go through a ritual before bed that we can do to help to create that melatonin because melatonin evolved before electricity. You know, it's slowly getting dark as we as are outside and it's starting, slowly starting to kick in. Whereas we don't do that now. It's lights on, lights on, bright lights, Instagram, scrolling, screen, Netflix, and then, you know, emails and then crash and burn. So we want to be dimming the lights before bed. We want to be moving away screens. You know, I love to read a good book or I have a couple of patients that are knitting or crocheting, whatever they, they, we need to do to just get in that space before bed. I get you to do all the stuff you need to do the next day. Just get that out of your head, write a list. And then I get you to write down three things that you were grateful for that day. It can be as simple as I had a nice cup of tea this morning or, you know what, I nearly didn't make it to work on time and I made it and so all's okay. Or it can be, I'm so grateful for I have awesome friends, you know, just something that switches on those positive neurotransmitters because whatever we're thinking about before bed, we incubate really well all night mm. <laughs> and our subconscious goes crazy with that stuff. That's why you wake up at 3 a.m. going, oh, my gosh, this is such a disaster and then you wake up at 7 going, oh, really? Not such a big deal anymore. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. I do my, um, my gratitude in the morning. I'm oh, like, I, I, cause I put my phone on airplane mode at night yeah. and I'm not allowed to turn it on until I say three things I'm grateful. I for. love that. <laughs> yeah. Cause it, cause I was like, I need a reinforcer. Yeah. <laughs> if I just say I'll do it, I won't remember. But if I have an obstacle <laughs> to yes. read something that I want, <laughs> that's that what works. you need to do is that's why I link it in with a habit or something if you try to create a new habit it's so hard so either yeah put a, putting something in your way that oh actually I can't access this before I do that 
yeah. or every time I do this, it's just going to be the next thing that I do. So yeah. it's make so it great linking those things. In advertising, I saw this study about these great pairings. So in advertising, they like we're pairing something to sell it. And yeah. it's a classic example of like Kit Kat, how they paired Kit Kat with coffee. They're like, take a coffee yeah. break, have a Kit Kat. Yeah. And, then, and then their sales went up like insane just from pairing, right? And I was like, well, how else can we do that in other areas of our life? How can we how can we make that association ourselves and then just continue it? Like everyone's like, I have a break, have a Kit Kat. And I just, I just, that, that example always really stuck with me. I still know that. I remember those ads. <laughs> right. I don't know if that's an Australian thing, but maybe if you're listening and you're not in, the, in Australia, <laughs> you might not know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, you know, it's interesting with mine. I'm always in bed. So I'm like, um, I'm always grateful for my warm bed. Yeah. <laughs> that's one of my gratitudes. <laughs> and it is, it just, I mean, it does make you feel good, which is great, but it's literally working on a biological level. I think that people don't see it's actually switching on positive neurotransmitters that are actually going to help with that rejuvenation process during the night instead of going to sleep on adrenaline, which again, a lot of, you know, type A personalities, they're just, you know, they just go, 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 go on adrenaline and, you know, maybe even sleep well. And so often when we're talking about sleep, oh, I sleep well. I, I crash and burn at midnight and I sleep, yeah, yeah. you know, solidly till six. And that's not ideal. We really want to actually be getting that rejuvenating sleep, not that recovery. All right. So let's say someone comes to you and we, we do all the things, we eat all the great food, we, we exercise. How likely is it, and I know you can't give a hard and fast answer on this, but how likely is it that the possibility of conception within three months of those changes or, or six months maybe? Look, it's really hard to give stats around because we are working with biology, but it'll absolutely improve your chances. There is no doubt about it. I love speaking with the embryologists, but I've sent them back to IVF after that time and they literally can see, you know, the nice supple cell wall. They can see the differences in the egg and the sperm and that's what's really heartening and that's what I, I wish we could see. You know, I wish there was a way and I've actually had patients ask me, you know, can I see how, how much better I'm getting? And I do check bloods and intervals. Absolutely. I love working with specialists and, you know, getting the bloods and having a look. And so we can see the markers all getting better, but it's really heartening to then see that, okay, then we are seeing, okay, they've got more viable embryos. Great that they've got that successful pregnancy because it's all about creating that successful embryo and that a healthy uterine environment to support receptivity and getting everything from a diet, lifestyle, supplement, mindset perspective absolutely increases your chances. And, you know, my feeling is that what we do in that preconception period is the most important time in your child's life. It is during that time that you basically have the opportunity to optimize the DNA that you're passing on to your future child. So that is obviously going to increase your chances of creating not only a healthy pregnancy and, and conceiving, but to, for the lifelong health of your child, and I know, again, bringing men into this as well, I did a um, podcast episode with Professor Adam Watkins, and his research focuses on male preconception health. And his research showed that not only does it improve the chances of conceiving, it actually um, reduces the risk of miscarriage. So men, yes, you are involved in miscarriage. And I've had patients turn up to me and say, oh, I can get, we get pregnant. So it's not my issue. <laughs> we miscarry all the time. And so he's like, oh, it's not my fault. I get her pregnant. And that absolutely, it's the health of the embryo. And you are both involved in the health of that embryo. 
And his research showed that not only that, but improves the lifelong health of their future child. So they were looking at longer term outcomes. Again, you're passing on the best DNA. So then when we, again, when we look back mm. to that semen analysis, you got 4% that are normal and perhaps, uh, you know, 99% or, you know, 96% that aren't great. Getting really good sperm health, getting really good egg quality, mm-hmm. you know, forget the $50,000 school fees. This is the best investment in your child's future <laughs> health yeah, right. <laughs> that, okay. that, that you can make, that. in my opinion. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Wow. That's so interesting that um, it's really, it's really great to hear that. I guess some people might have a little bit of a hard time hearing that. <laughs> it is. And look, I, I've been in your shoes. I was, I was on that winery tour drinking too many samples. Like that's so not what I'm supposed to be doing. So I, I, I get the reality of it. And that's why I love working with people and making, giving them the tools to work within what they can manage to in their lifestyle, because life is crazy. Life is busy. And I don't want you to feel extra guilty about everything you've done in the past. And again, I switched that off too. It's like, oh no, what if I've done this? Like, hey, that's gone. It's right. like age. We can't change that. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> we so can true. move forward beyond that. And these are lots of things we can do to help to support you beyond that. So don't get the guilt now that you've done things wrong or you're doing things wrong. Don't stress about that. That's yeah, done. <laughs> we can move cannot forward. Do anything about it. <laughs> exactly. You can't. Yeah, we plenty are. we can do moving forward. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I know someone who was a hardcore alcoholic for years mm. and she couldn't get pregnant. She was three, she's three years sober and she just had her first baby. Oh, uh, that's so wonderful. Yeah. Hear. And she, yeah, she was re- and like, I'm talking like drinking from waking up in the morning to like all the way to night every day for oh, years. Cool so real hardcore addiction. And um, yeah, it's so exciting that she's sober and she's got her baby and she's wanted to get pregnant for a really long time. So that's awesome. Well, there's yeah. so much you can do. Again, you support that liver health, you support your detox pathways, you get your antioxidants in there. Absolutely. You can support that 90 days makes a huge difference on the development of the egg. And obviously she's got like healthier three, three and three years. Yeah, <laughs> well, sometimes, yeah, it might take that. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was it's such a great story though, because I was like, okay, so it can happen. Like congratulations to her. Very exciting. Okay. What about freezing our eggs? Let's say we get to age, I don't know. I, I actually did some research a while ago and uh, the clinics that I was going to, they said at 37, because I froze my eggs and they were saying that 37 is the common, most common age for freezing your eggs. Yeah. Yeah, I froze my eggs because of the pandemic and I was like, I can't meet anyone. Well, yeah. I can't go out. I can't do this. You know, what are my options? So I was like, okay, let's put some eggs on ice and see. <laughs> and I think it's a great idea. I really do. And I think we should actually look at our fertility earlier. Again, if you're thinking of having kids, get your AMA tested and checked. And if you're wanting to freeze your eggs, think of it like a pregnancy because that insurance policy or, you know, for want of a better word, that you've taken out by banking your eggs is only as good as how viable those eggs are. And that's the perception, I think, with IVF. Well, if there's more eggs, there's more chances. If we're trying, actually, there's only one egg. And, well, if I do IVF, there might be 15, there might be 30. But the way biology works is we still only release that best egg or the dominant follicle that was going to be released to ovulation. So if that dominant follicle wasn't viable, and wasn't going to create a pregnancy, then you could spit out 15 eggs and they're not going to be viable. They're not going to be capable of creating a baby. So you want to treat it like doing all the things that we've spoken about. Okay, I'm going to freeze my eggs. I'm going to spend the next three months. I'm going to get my levels checked and see where I stand. Because sometimes if, you know, your vitamin D is way down, you might need a little bit longer than three months to make that um, nice and high again. Mm -hmm. So get your levels checked. 
look at your healthy diet and then get the best insurance policy of that egg collection as you can possibly get. And I've supported a lot of women just towards that, doing that, just towards an egg collection and getting that nice bank of eggs that they feel really confident and confident going forward, which is a great idea because the reality is, yes, we've had the pandemic. It's been harder to meet people. A lot of us are working longer and, you know, having our career careers later, we may have by 35 just established the real role that we really love and are really enjoying. Yeah. And so we don't want to have kids for the next four years and freezing eggs can be a really viable, good option then. But yeah, do the groundwork so that you've got the best eggs that you can you can provide. What about if you're like a really forward thinker in your in your 20s? Would you recommend freezing your eggs in your 20s? And you're like, I know I want to have kids, but I know I want to have a career. So I want to do it later. And I want to get the best eggs. Is Should you do it as early as like, you know, in your 20s? Look, it's a hard thing to say, but looking at the women that I see in their 40s, if they had have done that, absolutely it would have made all made the difference. difference. Um, so yes, it's expensive. It's reasonably invasive. So look at it in regards to your situation, where you are, where you are in your career, and even get your AMH tested, even at 20. You know, if you've realized you've now got a low ovarian reserve, it's just information. Oh, that's why I love information. I love as many blood tests as we can get. Like just give me all the information to help me process. Information is power over your fertility. The more information you have about your own fertility, the more informed decisions you can make. So if you're 20 and you have a low ovarian reserve, then okay, it might be a reasonable option for you by 24 to actually freeze your eggs to make sure that you do have a reasonable reserve there because you're likely to not be as fertile for as long. So getting those tests done early, getting that awareness, and I find Women these days, and I'll include myself in that as well, even as a naturopath, we're disconnected with our bodies. We've been put on the pill for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, we're disconnected with our cycles. We don't really know about, you know, our, our, often, you know, how long do you bleed for? What's the bleeding like? Oh, I use a tampon, um, you know, don't really know how many days it comes and goes. Do you know when you're ovulating? Not really, but day 14 is usually, you know, isn't that when you're supposed to ovulate? <laughs> Most of us don't ovulate bang on day 14. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting that awareness of your cycle and awareness of you and what's happening is really good. So get your AMH tested, have, a, have some investigations done, not necessarily anything invasive, just an understanding of what's going on in your body for your fertility. Then you can make informed decisions of whether egg freezing or what path is right for you. Uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, knowing about our fertility. Cause I wanted to touch on that, um, with the apps, how accurate are these fertility apps? Because, I, I, you know, I like that you said, okay, we've only got the 24-hour window, but I've heard that sperm can live inside uh, inside women for up to four days. Is that right? Yeah, usually three to five, seven at the outset. So, wow, yeah, you okay. have kind of a window and that's always before you ovulate. So you right. want to have semen in your reproductive system in those sort of three to five days before you ovulate. And in regards to the apps, it always depends on the data you put into the app. So right. if you're just plugging in when you get your you know, cycle and it's telling you you're ovulating on day 14 because you have a 30-day cycle, then that may or may not be correct because you've put in no data. I actually get women to chart their temperature. I find it's one of the best ways to go. So first thing in the morning, taking your temperature and putting it in an app. I know a lot of my patients use Fertility Friend. I'm an old-fashioned pencil and paper, so I give them a a chart. (laughs) But if you want to, a lot of them do export the data from their app um, to me. But by putting in your temperature, 
that gives us a lot of information alongside blood tests. I always recommend getting a day three blood test. So getting a blood a day three estrogen, progesterone, LH, FSH, and ideally testosterone and prolactin as well. Mm-hmm. If you get those baseline tests done and then get them read by someone who understands fertility, then that helps to show your fertile window as well, because your FSH should be below a certain win- um, level. If it's too high, it's struggling to produce eggs. So that's an indication that, you know, we may have um, more difficulty falling pregnant. We want your estrogen below a certain level and above a certain level. If it's too high, that can be problematic too. There's too much estrogen. If it's too low, that can be problematic. So day two is like second day of your period is when your hormones are at baseline. So always get day two bloods done and then get a day 21 blood test done, which your progesterone needs to be over a certain level. So over 10 indicates that you've ovulated over 50 is ideal if, you know, over 30 to 50 probably is ideal for wanting to conceive. But what temperature does, we can't take bloods every day. It's just not realistic. But temperature should be lower at the start of the cycle, indicates the estrogen's dominant. Then it should spike after you ovulate, which is when the egg's released and the corpus luteum starts producing progesterone. And that progesterone should stay high for the remainder of the month, like all the way about 0.5 a degree higher. And then it drops down. And that's when we get our period. But I often see people, I know my, personally, my chart was all over the place. I realized that though I had a 28-day cycle, I was not ovulating at all most months. Wow. Okay. So that can happen too. Or I find women are ovulating when their progesterone isn't staying high for the whole time. It's actually tapering off and they may get some spotting or some breast tenderness and symptoms before that. And so that's not going to hold the pregnancy well because we haven't got long enough. We haven't got that good 14 days to be able to hold the pregnancy. It might be that ovulation is too early and we're getting immature follicles. Um, being released or they're just not trying at the right time and I know there's the old adage of every second day which I don't atone to because I don't want you to have sex on on demand like it's just it's just so hard it's just takes all the fun out of it all the pressure is on and it's just you know if it's twice in one day and not for three days that's fine too you know as long as it's within that window that you've got sperm around the reproductive system that's the most important thing so Mm. yeah having it on a timetable or on a schedule And once you've started to chart that temperature for a couple of months, because once your temperature is spiked, you pretty much chances are gone because there's that 24-hour window once that egg is released, but you may have taken your temperature 12 hours into that. Who knows? So we want to make sure that we're after a couple of months, you'll see when your spike is and you'll know five days before that is your ideal window to be trying. Right. Okay. Okay. So before you said we want to test our bloods on day two and day three, Day two, day two or day three, and day, day three. 21 is the other one. So d- okay. day two, I like to get LH, FSH, estrogen, progesterone, and ideally testosterone and prolactin as well. Mm-hmm. Um, gives me a good indication. That's what I always look at. And most fertility clinics come to me already with those tests. And day 21, I like to see estrogen and progesterone. A lot of people will just do a progesterone test. I like to see both. Because again, progesterone is the main one. We want to see that ideally above 30 or above 50. Uh, But I also find if we check estrogen as well, if that's too high, then then that can be problematic too. So I like to test both of those on day 21 to check the luteal phase for receptivity and check the hormones at the start for the egg maturation. So this has been so amazing. I just feel like this has just been so chock-a-block full of information. I have learned so much. And it's good to know that 
I don't know, like it's nice hearing you talk about, you know, not stressing out about things. Like if it's your mm. birthday, have a glass of wine. Don't freak yeah. out about it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for being here. I am have been thrilled to, to speak with you and find out all this information. If people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? I have a free checklist that I love to give out to people just to give them some of these simple things that they can introduce into their daily life to support their fertility. They can find that at tashajennings.com.au slash checklist. So that's one of the, one of the best places to, to go and just grab some really free, easy information. There's some great recipes I've got in there as well to make life nice and easy for you. Awesome. Awesome. And we'll, you can find all the links mentioned in this episode at rebellove.com forward slash EP59. And we will pop that link on um, our show notes page as well. Tasha, thank you again so much for being here. It's been an absolute pleasure. I have learned a lot. I really, really appreciate you. So pleased to hear. It's been great to be here. Thanks for listening to the Rebel Love Podcast, the podcast about love, sex, and relationships. If you like this episode, please support us by subscribing and leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform and find all the details of this episode and more at rebellove.com forward slash podcast.